1: dot com plus Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. and I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? You can hear it's going great. (laughs) It's going all right. I've got Betty Davis eyes and there's a total eclipse of a heart.
0: Uh, It's been a minute since I came to the podcast with my Bonnie Tyler voice, I feel like. So here you go. Give the people what they want. Turn around.
1: (laughs) Every now and then I like a podcast called The Pop Shop. Oh my God. (laughs) Because as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on billboards weekly charts in addition you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news fun chart stats and stories new music and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop today on the show we've got chart news on how sam smith and kim petrus hit number one on the billboard hot 100 songs chart with unholy the first chart topper for both acts how Lil Baby captures his third number one album on the Billboard 200 Albums chart with It's Only Me, and how Taylor Swift is off to a record-breaking start with her new album Midnights and is on course for her 11th number one on the Billboard 200 chart.
0: Keith, can you just like indulge me and let me talk a lot at you about Taylor Swift's Midnights later in the show?
1: I, I fully endorse and encourage you to do so.
0: Okay, that's my plan then. Uh, but first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.comslash podcasts.
1: All right, let's do the chart chat. First up, Unholy by Sam Smith and Kim Petras jumps two to one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, marking the first number one for both acts. In fact, It's the first chart entry altogether for Petrus. Smith has previously collected nine Hot 100 hits, going as high as number two in 2014 with Stay With Me. As Hot 100 chart manager Gary Trust reports on Billboard.com, Unholy tallied 25.3 million streams, which was up 9%, 21.5 million in radio airplay audience impressions, that was up 40%, and it also sold 19,000 downloads, up 60%, and that was aided by $0.69 cent sale pricing, as well as the release of live and instrumental versions of the track, as well as remixes by Disclosure and A-Craze. They really clearly, fully went full hog wild last week. They went trying for to... it,
0: and, and they nailed it, the landing.
1: Yep. Um, Yep. And of course, all that data was for the tracking week that ended on October 20th, according to Luminate. Unholy is the 1,143rd number one in the 64-year history of the Hot 100. Did
0: you happen to see that Kim uh, reacted on Instagram about the number one? What'd she say? She said, I'm not sure how you'd read this. Number one, there's just a lot of ease at the end. Hot 100, I'm so grateful. Sam, I can't thank you enough for riding with me for years at this point. I'm so honored to be a part of your first number one in the U.S., which you should have 500 of at this point. I love you forever, Angel Sam.
1: Isn't that cute? Oh, that's adorable.
0: Nothing yet from Sam, but who knows where in the world they are at this point. Uh, the time zone, etc. I'm sure
1: we'll hear from Sam soon. Um, well, notably, uh, oh, by the way, Steve Lacy's Bad Habit, which was number one last week, falls to number two. Uh, notably... We've now had four number ones in 2022 on the Hot 100 by acts that did it all with their very first chart hit. So we don't talk about Bruno from the ensemble from Encanto. It was a number of people. Number one for all of those people. All those people. First, was their first number one, yes. Their first hit. Um, Glass Animals with Heat Waves. That was, mm-hmm. that was their very first Hot 100 hit. Steve Lacey's "Bad Habit" that was Steve's very first hit on the chart, and then Kim Petras with "Unholy" that was Kim's very first hit on the chart. I love um, that. Yeah, so uh, it's a, it's a it's a great year uh, for um, sort of surprise left field hits, as we've seen. Yeah, I don't.
0: I was gonna say too. I don't know if you saw the article. I, I might have mentioned it on a previous podcast that Elias did about how there's like a glut of songs but not enough hits is basically the idea that the industry has. Like, yeah, it's like you can't, you know, cut through the noise. So I feel like the stat you just gave about these brand new people being able to cut through all the way to number one with their first Hot 100 entry feels maybe encouraging. It's like we're creating new stars and new hits. TikTok I don't is. Know.
1: Yeah, to somebody is. <laughs> all, all of all of these effectively. I mean, we don't talk about Bruno was more of a sort of kind of YouTube, you know, movie. There was phenomenon. a TikTok element. There was? Yeah. But Heat Waves, Bad Habit, and Unholy were all fully TikTok-y. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, for those listening that may think, oh, TikTok schmick schmock or whatever, <laughs> um, you have to think of it more like, remember when you, like, maybe if you if you're an old person, think of how you used to learn about music probably from MTV or VH1 or from YouTube depending on you know when you came of age Maybe you didn't listen to the radio religiously. Maybe you weren't inside record stores. Maybe you weren't going to a lot of shows, but the way you learned about music was through MTV, and that motivated you to go learn about artists in a different capacity. Maybe you bought their album. Maybe you bought a single. Maybe you asked for them to be played on your local radio station. And TikTok is doing that now, where TikTok is just exposing people. It's like a new form of radio. It's just another way for people to learn about music.
0: Not unlike what we talked about last week with um, the Fleetwood Mac song being in the commercial. Like that it's just a music discovery.
1: It comes from a, you know, multitude of places. Yeah, I I mean, and that is, you know, commercials are sort of the most classic, you know, example of how songs can become surprise, surprise hits or through TV shows, as we've seen or movies or in trailers. It's just another form of people learning about something. And just because you aren't on TikTok doesn't mean that it's some weird thing that isn't. A great way of learning about music. 100%. all that said, let's move on. (laughs) Next up on the Billboard 200 albums chart, Little Baby Lance's third number one as It's Only Me debuts atop the tally. The set earned 216,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending October 20th. It also claims the third largest streaming week for an album in 2022. Of course, I'm saying that before I've gotten to the part about Taylor Swift. (laughs) Um, Little Baby previously topped the list with The Voice of the Heroes, which was a collaborative set with Little Baby. Sorry, with Little Dirt in 2021. That'd be funny if he collaborated with himself. I was just thinking
0: I'm kind of surprised like Garth Brooks and Chris Gaines didn't
1: do it. (laughs) Maybe someone <laughs> talked Maybe someone talked Garth <laughs> out of doing that. Um, and, uh, of course, the Little Baby was also number one with his uh, My Turn album in 2020. And that project actually finished 2020 as the most popular album of the year, according to Luminate. Also in the top ten this week on the Billboard 200, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, they debut with Return of the Dream Canteen at number three. It's their second album release of 2022. We waited like... A million years for the first new Peppers album, and now we get two back-to-back. Right. It must be... It, 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 you, you, if you're a Peppers fan, you are super stoked. I mean, in addition to
0: the return of John Frashanti for both of these albums, too. So it's like, yeah, it's Christmas.
1: Yeah. Uh, the 1975's Being Funny in a Foreign Language debuts at number seven. And Bailey Zimmerman's debut effort, Leave the Light On, bows at number nine. Uh, big debut for Bailey, who kind of broke through on TikTok probably, I guess, in the middle of COVID or shortly before COVID. It's an incredible start for a new artist who kind of basically came from TikTok. Um, lastly, I'm still talking about the charts. Little Babies Reign to number one will probably be short on Wait, the Billboard why, 200. Wait, why is that, Keith? Because um, this woman named Taylor Swift released <laughs> a new album. Uh, Midnight's came out last Friday, October 21st, and has been a blockbuster out of the gate and i would assume that it's going to be number 1 next week on the billboard too. I listen, Keith, you're going to you're going to tell us more, but i do, i
0: honestly don't know what the circumstances could be to make anything other than taylor debuting at number 1 like have that happen.
1: I just i don't know that i don't know someone someone i mean what i always say is that someone dies in a fiery car crash. Listen, i'm not i'm just saying it's, I. Uh, okay, I'm but not, yes. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna comment on that. I don't want yeah, to wish anything on anyone. So we're recording this on Monday, mm-hmm. but according to initial reports to Luminate, this is one of those rare instances where I actually have something to tell Katie about next week's chart. I know. I'm always like Keith.
0: What can you say? And you're like nothing. And we have a lot of intel this week.
1: Yeah, well, it's because I went above and beyond what I normally do. For Taylor. (laughs) Yeah, for Taylor. It's Taylor. And also these stories are all reported on on Billboard.com. So as of Monday, uh, the album has earned over 1.2 million equivalent album units in the U.S. in its first three days. That's Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, And of that sum, Nine hundred and fifty five thousand are in traditional album sales across its digital download album, CD, cassette and vinyl LPs. It, this is this is wacky. It's wacky. Like, I um, mean, that th- there's a chance
0: that it could sell more than a million in in traditional albums, yep. potentially, by the end yep. of the
1: week. Yep. Wow, um, I'm not done yet though. Okay. So further, further, the album's 20 songs because there's 13 songs on the standard album, and then there's an ad- an added seven on the deluxe version that came out three hours after the original album came out. So there's the 3 a.m. edition. It's 3 a.m. and she's lonely. Here's the new <laughs> deluxe edition. It's a Matchbox 20 reference, yeah. everybody. I was re- I, w- I was joking. I'm like, oh, it's too bad. Like Matchbox 20 or Rob Thomas didn't tweet out some sort of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge to Taylor. <laughs> anyway. The album's 20 songs uh, have notched over 284 million on-demand official streams in the U.S. in the first three days. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's just three days. Obviously, all these numbers, in theory, they're going to be very front-loaded. You know, every album is front-loaded, especially someone like Taylor has, like, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of pre-orders and anticipation. But it would seem sensible to think all these numbers will go up. In the next few days. The end of the tracking week is on Thursday, October 27th. Um, I'll of course be following this story breathlessly throughout throughout the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tune in to Billboard.com. Um, let me recap. So all that said, after just three days, Midnights has the biggest week. After just three days, it already has the biggest week for an album by units since Swift's own reputation in 2017. When it debuted with 1.238 million. Right now she's at 1.2. I'm assuming she'll probably go over 1.238 in the next day or two. Right. Um, Now she also has the biggest sales week by traditional album sales for any album since, again, Reputation. And that debuted with 1.26 million copies sold. You might be wondering how'd she have 1.238 million units? And 1.216 million album sales. Like, why shouldn't that number, shouldn't the former number be a lot bigger because of streams? Because normally that's the way it works. Well, actually, back when Reputation came out, you couldn't actually stream the entire album on streamers. Really? What was the, it was a. She didn't like that. Oh, she didn't, right. She, she was she a holdout. She, she had like three, she had like three songs that you could, like, look what you made me do, and I think two right. other songs. But the rest of the think album, think of what was the locked. numbers would have been if it had streamed too. I she mean, maybe not, it wouldn't have sold as much though. She didn't like the financials of whatever deal she had, and so reputation wasn't available on streamers for the first like month or yep, two. I forgot. Um and then the next album she put out, uh Lover, was available widely on streamers on its first day.
0: And obviously did not pass a million, nor did her subsequent uh, you know, a full no. floor Evermore, or the two re-release or re-records.
1: No, one last thing I'll say about this is that uh, of those nine hundred and fifty-five thousand in album sales, nearly a half million are in vinyl LP sales, and that is handily the single largest sales week for a vinyl album since. Well, in the modern era, and we consider the modern era being when Luminate, formerly SoundScan, began tracking sales in 1991. So in the past, like, 31 and change years, that is the single largest sales week for a vinyl album. Of course, I would imagine back in the ye olden days in the 80s, maybe Michael Jackson's Thriller was moving, you know, 500,000 or more right. in a week. I mean, we it's don't plausible. Know. But we don't know. So that's that's all I have to say. Right now, but if you (laughs) want more lurid details, and in fact, if you'd like a 2,700 word essay that I wrote about the sort of rollout of Midnight's and looking at her past five albums have all led to Midnight's, go read my story on billboard.com, um... Uh, you can find it on my socials linked there. Uh, tweet me; I'll tell you how to find it.
0: And also, if you want to see all these early sales numbers, Keith has up. And you know, if we get any more, we will continue to update that even before Keith's Sunday article, because mm. Keith
1: can't ever take a day off. I did. I did. Do- I didn't. I won't be. He hasn't. And oh, By won't. the way, we haven't even said it. But I know we're going to get to more Taylor in just a second. But Drake has an album coming out this Friday now
0: with 21 Savage. With 21 Savage, yeah. They put out a a video for Jimmy Cook's on Saturday and announced that they have a joint album.
1: Do we think Drake will be able to beat Taylor's second week?
0: That's a great question. I wonder, I mean, she's such a businesswoman, loves, loves like, you know, being top dog that I imagine she's thinking of some more tricks to pull out of her sleeve to potentially get That second week, I would think. I mean, we basically and and this is a precursor to the conversation, but like we have learned that there are going to be way more music videos that she's calling Midnight's movies from this album um, that star, you know, various actors, comedians, uh, musician friends like Haim. Um, there's a lot more coming from this rollout. This is just the very beginning. And actually, like he said, we're recording on Monday and she's putting the bejeweled music video out at uh, midnight. I, I goes without saying tonight. So that will have already come out when you hear the podcast, um, on Tuesday. And, uh, but she started out with the anti-hero music video on Friday morning. Keith, you've already seen that one, right?
1: Yeah, it, 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 um, I will say it immediately reminded me of watching, as I echo, as I talked about sort of classic MTV earlier in this conversation, it reminded me of watching like a, uh, Dayton Ferris music video from the 90s, like for Bjork or the Smashing Pumpkins, where mm. it was just like one of those really interesting, um, um, just narrative videos mm-hmm. with special effects where you're like, I don't know what I just watched, but I need to watch it again because right. I need to figure out what I just watched. It, it reminded me of sort of classic MTV where you're like, I need to watch this video repeatedly because I'm not sure what I just saw. But wow, it's incredibly technically impressive.
0: Totally. And I mean, I also love the song. Um, I think it was a great choice for the first single from this album. Um, it was wild how, I mean, this this album truly came with no lead up no singles everything came out at midnight so you truly like you were listening to everything for the first time and not even knowing not even having a hint of like what the album was gonna sound like at all which I don't know the last time I had that experience actually and and I mean and so there obviously like that's a piece of this puzzle of like holy crap she like hit that elusive million mark One of the pieces of that puzzle is just the sheer curiosity around what this was going to be. And we all didn't know until midnight. And then we didn't know that there was like
1: basically a second EP coming three hours after that. She, you know, and you know, what's great about that? I mean, I mean, I don't like I generally don't like I don't like deluxe albums that come in the middle of the week or on a first day. To me, it just seems kind of like, well, what's the album? What is the album? Like, just stick with an album. But putting aside my personal feelings for kind of the what is the album, what is the real album, I'm like, is the 13 songs the real album and the seven songs aren't really part of the album? Or did the seven songs not get finished in time for you to turn in the master to make the Mm -hmm. physical albums? Mm -hmm. But putting that aside, I liked the idea that she just waited three hours because then – it actually came out. The deluxe edition came out at midnight Pacific, Pacific. time. It was, to give little, people it was a little, on the little treat coast. for us. It gave people on the West Coast an actual midnight's reveal.
0: No, totally. I, I liked that, too. And I also liked her entire concept. I mean, when she described this album at the beginning, she said, these are the. Thoughts that like keep you awake. You know, these are your middle of the night thoughts. And then she's like, these are the even more chaotic thoughts that you have three <laughs> hours after midnight. When well, you're, you're really still trying the to sleep. Night. Exactly. I mean, I just love that it all had a story. Um, and that one of like one of the bonus tracks is actually probably one of the most talked about songs too. the would have could have should have, which um, people are speculating might be about John Mayer. Um, oh. One of my faves, as you know. Um, and, you know, it's, Interesting to me, it's almost as if she has like a sequel to a previous song of hers, Dear John, um, where she is talking about the same topic, but from, you know, a 30 something year old perspective versus when it's fresh and new and, and painful and um my parents are visiting right now and so my mom had to deal with my like full you know needing to listen to every ounce of this music um on friday morning i'm a mom i was not listening to it at you know midnight uh pacific um and so when i was listening to that one i was saying oh my god she's talking about when she was 19 and this older guy i'm like this is john mayer again she's like She's got to get over that. This is my mom's perspective. <laughs> and I'm like explaining the whole concept to her. I'm like, mom, this is, these are the thoughts that gnaw at you in the middle of the night. And that's the kind of shit you think about and can't stop thinking about is like stuff that happened a decade ago that was unresolved or that left you feeling weird you're in any way. or holding on to it for some reason. Or whatever. And so it's not like, oh, I'm so still hung up on this and I can't move forward in my life. It's like the kind of thing that creeps into your brain regardless of how much time has passed that makes you feel awkward or uncomfortable or whatever. And literally is those middle of the night thoughts. And I think as normal, like Taylor captures these emotions that all of us have that maybe we don't pinpoint like what the importance of them are like, but she can do that. Like she's a storyteller and she like recognizes, Oh, that's a song or whatever. Like my new perspective on this thing that happened to me when I was younger. That's, that's a song and all of a sudden it's like a universal thing. I don't know. Just I, she's magical. I, I, I love the album. I didn't. I haven't said that yet.
1: That's the Billboard quote. She's magical. She I mean, she is um, Taylor but, Swift. If you're listening, you're magical. According to Katie. I think she knows. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, but I also just was stunned. Like when I started listening to it, I just I got knocked over by the first three songs right away. Like and honestly, those might be my three favorite songs on Midnight's. Um, the combination of Lavender, haze, Maroon and Antihero. They're just these are great songs. And I think for all of our curiosity and wondering the answer to the question, oh, my dryer is making noise. That's fine. For all of our curiosity and wondering what this album was going to sound like. The answer was it wasn't like that left field. It sounded like an album of Taylor Swift songs made by Jack Antonoff. And that's what it is. And we pop songs. We've heard that before. And it's great. Like, I I, I'm not bored of that. I want more of that. I'm happy that it sounds a little like reputation, a little like my favorite songs from um, Lover. I'm I'm okay with that.
1: Um, Sonically, it's not folklore and evermore. That's very correct. It's more staying and kind of like the more firmly pop mode.
0: Yes. And I think the conversation around it has been like people kind of maybe realizing that they are maybe more of the folklore evermore kind of Taylor fan, like maybe they like the Aaron Destiner vibe more than they like the Jack Antonoff vibe. I think I'm an Antonoff girl, so I think this is firmly in my wheelhouse. Um, So, yeah, it's been uh another. I also just like that she makes every album into an event as a music journalist. I love that she created this moment that is um, feels universal, even if it isn't for literally everybody. But I mean, I was watching Thursday Night Football with my parents, um, where she had a commercial for her album and the and the videos. That's something that's gonna reach somebody that doesn't care about Taylor, doesn't know she had a new album until that moment. You know? Yeah. She's very good at that.
1: So, uh, and I I would like to think that a lot of the things that we think. Are like wow, that's a great idea. I think a lot of these are actually just coming out of Taylor's brain. Yeah, same. Because I, I think Taylor is is just um, that smart and that savvy when it comes to um, understanding how her music fits in pop culture and how I think what she also really likes from her probably favorite artists, you know? Yes. When she was growing up and like how like an event record would be and we take for granted now that because everything is so segmented and compartmentalized or everything is a track or 10 seconds on TikTok and it's really great when there's still an artist that can create this kind of excitement mm-hmm. and this thematic um, project <clears throat> that really gets you invested in something um, and even if you aren't like a super fan of of Taylor it's like the fact that she can make you aware of something existing and, and make you possibly curious like that's that's half of the work. That's just half, that's part of, that's half of the challenge. Totally. Um, not everyone can do it. And the, and I think arguably the only people that really can do it effectively are those that actually also have uh, music that is both commercially successful and artistically compelling and, um, and also warmly received in general for people to actually care consistently album after album, because you can make the most, you know, imaginative, thematic, incredible rollouts for an album. But if if it isn't actually reaching people and yeah. if it actually isn't that good, then people really won't care the next time, you know, next yes. th- another album comes around.
0: And she she obviously cares about, as we've talked about before, traditional markers of success, which when you look at somebody like Beyonce, who, of course, had a number one album with Renaissance but has yet to put out like a proper music video of any of those songs. Um, It's like Beyonce maybe doesn't care about that anymore for whatever reason. I think Taylor, like you said, looks to what she loves and loved when she was younger from her favorite artists. And she likes these big moments. She likes she likes the monoculture rallying around her album. She likes she likes like being number one. She likes winning that award. She likes being recognized for the great artist that she
1: is, you know? And not to say that Beyonce doesn't like any of that stuff either. I don't, I think. Does she? I don't know. Maybe she does. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe <laughs> she's beyond it at this point. She's trying point. to play it cool. I mean, I think it, it. I think Beyonce is an interesting, specific example because Beyonce is a very visual artist that came off of visual projects with the self-titled album and with Lemonade that came with their own corresponding uh, visual albums, visual films that accompanied the, the music. And maybe Beyonce had her own specific desires on how she wanted to make Renaissance something that was just purely about listening to the audio of the music mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, but all that said, we don't know. She could drop a visual album on us in the next few weeks that, it, remember, this was just Act One, but now, we, now we're now we digressing into Renaissance land. Um, <laughs> But I, yeah, I Taylor think Swift, everything, album.
0: everything we've said just points to like, I feel like a lot of people thought we were maybe beyond the moment where someone could move a, a million units in a week when Adele didn't do it with 30. I think a lot of people saw that as the sign that maybe maybe a million wasn't going to happen because Adele yeah. is so
1: commercially Successful, But, 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 and this is where I get finicky about the things that people do to sell albums, which I didn't go over in my earlier preamble, but in brief, Adele purposely kind of restricted the amount of ways that you could purchase her album. I think she had three different vinyl albums. There was one standard CD, a Target CD that had a couple bonus tracks, and then I think there was just like a standard digital album. Oh, she had a cassette. And I think she had a box set with a t-shirt inside. So she had like six, seven, eight different ways. Taylor has four standard CDs, four explicit CDs, each with a different cover, four explicit vinyl albums, a cassette, a target exclusive version of the CD with three bonus tracks, a target exclusive vinyl LP with a different color vinyl, and um, she had a couple different digital albums. The The iTunes version had a spoken word bonus track. Then she had the deluxe edition of the album that came out with seven extra tracks. Plus, she had signed editions of both the CD in all four variants, all four flavors, and signed vinyls, all four flavors, on her web store that she was selling before the album came out. So Taylor really maximized the way for people to enjoy and collect and purchase the album. You don't have to buy every single copy. But, you know, there's going to be some hardcore fans that want to buy all the different versions. Yeah. You know, and Taylor also said, look, if you flip the back of the albums over and you put them on your wall, they make a clock. Get it? Midnight's, it's a clock. Like, she likes doing that stuff. It's fun and cheeky. Adele didn't do that. Right. So... Would Adele have sold a million copies had she done what Taylor did? We will never know.
0: Well, or does Adele have the fan base that would want to collect things like
1: that also? Maybe, maybe not. When Adele's 25 came out a few years ago, she sold more than a million copies in three different weeks. But that was very different. You know, and 25 came after 21 and 25 came ushered in with hello. It was a Mm -hmm. much different kind of rollout. Mm -hmm. 30 had a different kind of reception than 25 did. Right, right. So, you know, if keep Midnight's keep up had, all these other albums and trying to make comparisons, and you're like, I'm hey. Com- it, it's more—I <laughs> mean, look, if Midnight's had come, come out of the gate, like, in a big thud, and it wasn't warmly received by fans and sort of critics— we would be probably talking about different numbers. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it wouldn't be trending as well as it is because maybe people weren't going to enjoy it. But when it seems to have positive word of mouth and people are telling people, wow, you should really check out this album that can help. Yep. So in conclusion, I'm not not piling on Beyonce or Adele or anyone. It's just, no, no, no,
0: it's not about, it's not about that. It's basically, I I think that when we're, when I'm talking about like trying to talk about the monoculture, It's like I think of Adele and Beyonce and Taylor as all people that are capable of commanding it. Right. Um, And so but Taylor, she did it five years later. She did it. You know, it's it's wild. So
1: congrats to you. Well, do we have any do we have anything else to say about Taylor? I mean, yes, of course. But but we have to draw a line somewhere, Keith. We have to keep it all inside for next week. Um, Well, now I guess it's time for the chart stat of the week. It's really just quiz, Katie. (laughs) Um, so now that we've had back to unholy but people, now that we have unholy at number one on the Billboard Hot 100, Katie, can you name the other five number ones on the Hot 100 that started with the letters U.N.? Wow, that's fun. OK. Like all the un-songs. OK, my first guess
0: is a personal favorite. Um, at Tony Braxton, Unbreak My Heart. Correct. Number one for eleven weeks in nineteen ninety six. Wow, I did not know it was number one for eleven weeks. Um, okay, that was my first one. Um, uh you'll,
1: oh, you'll, You could rough. get the you could get two more, and then I think after that you're going to have to throw them. It's going to be rough. Okay. Yeah. Um. And they're both. There's. Let me give you a hint. Yeah, hints are good. Two more are in the nineteen nineties. Okay, so then
0: I should be able to get them. Maybe. Um. Are they one word song titles or multiple yes. words? Both are one word.
1: Yes. Un. Oh, I've got one. Yo, unbelievable. Oh, Whoa. EMF. Yes, EMF in 1991 was number one for one week. Okay, great. Um, Can I get a hint, like, about the group or artist behind I... the other 90s one? It was in 1999.
0: Should be able to get that. Un.
1: Oh, was... oh wait! I've got
0: a guess. That's not that. It's not the '99 one. Okay. Uh, unforgettable.
1: No. Oh, okay, I thought maybe no. like the Natalie Cole, uh, duet version. Uh, um, the, the song in 1999 is by an artist who had other had been on the had been at number one with other material as well. Okay. <laughs> Such as like madonna or michael jackson or somebody massive is that what you're trying to say no it's it's a girl group oh okay with three members with three members it's not destiny's child no nope, right? the ballpark um kind of had it they they, they broke oof. out big in 1992 oh oh unpretty tlc unpretty by tlc that's correct So then the last two, I don't think you'll ever get. So I can just tell you unless you want to guess them. I mean, if you think there's a hint, I'll take it. But otherwise, I'm fine to just hear them. So in 1990, sorry, 1990, (laughs) 1977, Undercover Angel by Alan O'Day was number one for one week. Sorry to Alan. I do not know that one. I'm sorry to this man. And in 1971, for one week. Uncle Albert <laughs> slash Admiral Halsey by Paul and Linda McCartney was number one. Oh, wow. Um, yep, you were right. Thank
0: you for just telling those to me. Um, but yeah, the three 90s ones are all like massive, massive hits. So, yes, yes
1: we got there. Uh, I actually bought the EMF album back in the day, like in 1991 because oh, of unbelievable. I'll
0: tell you what, I was the worst little sister because my brother wanted it. And I told my parents what the name of the group stood for. Which now that I say that out loud, Epson Mad Sun. Oh my god,
1: they had a different Okay, well you're gonna have to edit this out if I'm wrong. I thought it was like Epson Mad Funkers or something.
0: Oh. So we we okay, please got Oh wait, they do say this. I see. They we were told that the MF stood for mother effers. Uh When I was a small child, I was told that. And um, I told my parents that it was bad words and they wouldn't let my brother have the album anymore. So that's what I did as a little sister to just tank his chances of getting that album. Wow. And I'm seeing on the Wikipedia page that they referenced um, uh, ecstasy mother effer like on a song lyric. And that's why people thought that's what it stood for. Wow. But I, the, I'm seeing what your uh, version is, which is Epsom Mad
1: Funkers. Yeah, who knows? Maybe that was just something Ooh. they, like, made up to. A backronym? Sure. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, okay, sorry. That was a long, drawn-out uh, quiz, Katie, chart stat of the week yes. about unsongs at number one. All right. We've reached the end of our big show. Uh, any, whew, any parting words? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we haven't played Unbreak My Heart yet, then we need to do it now because its Ooh. I love that song. Do we do the ballad version or the dance remix? Oh, version? I don't even know the remix. I just know the ballad. Uh, I remember she did the dance remix, I think, at the Billboard Music Awards one year. Well,
0: then dance remix, please. That's what I would like. I need okay, to hear well, on that.
1: And we'll see you guys next time. Bye.